Hey, Luke, how's it going? Great. I'd like to welcome everyone to Catching Foxes, the one that changed the entire Catholic podcast game, and therefore the best. I've been listening to Kanye West and Jay-Z, so I'm feeling egotistical. <laughs> You're going to start calling yourself Mm-hmm. Man, that would suck if you did. Don't let me into my zone. Don't let me into my zone. <laughs> what, what if I'd like married Kim Kardashian? Got weird. And I and I got, I got us a deal with with Adidas and then destroyed Adidas when I went nuts. Yeah, yeah, man. I would be like that guy's a brilliant businessman. Mm-hmm. So Adidas apparently for the first time, like they had like gigantic profit on margins because of Kanye West when he went nuts. They discontinued their relationship. It was like the first time they had like had to report a loss in years. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, Gilmore, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but uh, people are upset about a priest DJing at World Youth Day. No, I'm not aware of that. All right, yeah, good, because there are a bunch of losers who are complaining about it. So, anyways, moving on. Was he playing no, something inappropriate? Like, I mean, it was just weird. The, the stuff on stage was weird, but it's like it's a World Youth Day thing. What's not going to be weird about it? You know, the funny thing, I was talking with a bunch of people who just got back from World Youth Day, and I was asking them their experiences, and they were like, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. And we were going through, and I was like, well, what, what, why would you hesitate? And they were like, well, all the American stuff was terrible. I was like, what do you mean? And they were like, yeah. Like, the bis- there was this thing with these two bishops, and literally they said, you know, the, the most heroic thing you can do is recycle. And I mean, are they like, wrong? It was like, are they wrong? You could, <laughs> you could tell. Like, I don't know about you, but, like, when I hear speakers, when they hit certain notes, you're like, oh, I see what you're doing. You think like bishop baron right he'll talk like young people are more socially justice minded we and sure blah, blah, blah. Are. so you want to reach him you got to be more you got to be aware of this and understand the goods good side of this and and you know i'm kind of myself you as a young person. and uh so he would say things like that but then you could be like kids like teenage mutant ninja turtles i'll talk about the <laughs> teenage mutant. you're like that's what i mean ends up happening you know and so you're just like oh oh like just stop it just bothers me. And stuff like that bothers me. Does it bother you because they're talking about things like like on the social justice, which is part of the churches of the teachings, but it's not really your um cup of tea? No. Mm. Yeah. No, not even remotely. Mm. The church's teaching on social justice is a hundred mm. my cup of tea. Mm. <laughs> Why aren't you for socialized medicine? <laughs> 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 Who knows if I'm kidding or if I'm being serious? Luke just got back from Notre Dame. <laughs> uh, I'm enjoying. Um, anywho, I, it's just the other. So, the one person said something to me that was really shocking. You know, number one, Pope Francis is in very mm-hmm. poor health, and for people who don't realize the frailty of it, like you should be praying for him. And then the other thing they said, though, was it's sad that this is the grandest mass that most kids will ever be a part of because it was so terrible. Uh, everyone was saying that. They were like, well, you know, like they said some stuff and then they said some more stuff and then they said some more stuff and then they said some more stuff. And then you had to fight to receive Holy Communion and then it was over. And you're like, oh, hmm, OK. I don't know. There's there's so much about the world you they experience. I'm glad I went a part of one guy. Actually, one dude, Father Fletcher, he said something very fascinating uh, that I thought you would love. In my head, the whole time he's talking, I'm like, dude, Luke would love this. He said, you know what was so great about the World Youth Day experience? And he's kind of like a, like a pessimist, right? So the fact that he even said that was, you're like, uh, all he is, good sir. He said, 
the pilgrimage. He's like, we walked every bit of the however many miles it is to get to their place, and everything was wrong. Like, they didn't have signage up. At one point, a, a group from another country just, like, grabbed this wall and ripped it out so that they could go up. The, and then it turned out that was the right way. It was, like, crazy, right? Everything was crazy. He's, he said they were walking by this steep incline to try to get where they needed to go, and these people were literally crawling and crying as they were crawling up and it was a different group and he was like oh these people are so sad like they're just like weeping because every he's like it was painful it was difficult people were complaining the whole time you got mad at each other and he goes and we're all trying to go to this one destination and he said i stopped and realized like right right towards the end this is exactly what a pilgrimage is supposed to be right it's not supposed to be a touristy thing where you bounce this is the mo he's like this moment right here and we're all together and everyone's in the suck mm -hmm. together, right like all painful and he's like and and it's it's everything right it's you're you're physically injured there are people on crutches who hurt themselves you're helping people up over he said there was like this wall of dirt i don't know I, he was describing i couldn't picture it in my head but they're like helping adults and you know young adults over this wall and they're just like thank you so much for helping me and he's like okay you're fine <laughs> keep going you know but it was like all this stuff and he's like that's it man that's that's life as pilgrimage as life and he's like and the whole time you're praying every inch of lisbon is catholic every inch of it and he said it was just a beautiful tapestry or whatever he said he didn't say tapestry that's my word but there are many uh, yeah, tapestries cool. there, but if you wrote them in iron mickey mouse <laughs> well, that's Wait, you don't remember that from the last about crusade you're gonna be gonna pick and choose your last crusade quotes now Oh, what? Where was that in the last crusade? And they're going into the castle. He's <laughs> You're like, just pick and <laughs> I always imitate the girl where she's like, you know, she's holding up the jeweled gold cup, and she's like, oh, yes, the cup of a king, <laughs> cup of a. Cup this of a is that other mark. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we just started on a high. Where I was like, we're the greatest Catholic podcast ever. Everyone else can suck it, and now. <laughs> just quoting random two lines from whatever you no, seem dude. sad gomer what's wrong I, i'm in a funk i don't know why i'm in a funk i'm in a funk i'm in a funk actually am i do I, know why i'm in a funk because i'm not in an office i miss people am, i like people am i being too much you have been too much lately but right now you're fine okay okay that's fair yeah no i i miss people i miss people i'm in my office you see this i've been <laughs> hanging out with my kids they don't want to hang out with me especially not during <laughs> the day when they're trying to get schoolwork done they're like, Dad, we're teenagers now. We've got something to do. Ugh. <laughs> Get out of here, old man. Does but anybody want to play video games? <laughs> anybody want to do a Shakespeare play? No? I almost spit out my coffee because I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, my, my girl, so my wife did this challenge. So they've been homeschooled now. This is the, they're halfway through week two. Or, yeah, week two. So Shannon started them on August 1st. And she did this thing where she has a, a we, we buy books. And we never tell each other about the books we're buying because we don't have rules of money about books, right? So Shana bought a ton of books for the kids. Put them in these bins. They're age-appropriate, a little challenging. And she said, you know, for every 30 minutes of reading, you get a check mark. You get 12 check marks. You complete a bookmark, and we do something cool. So Cecilia has already finished two bookmarks, which is insane. And then Kateri finished one. And the reward was Shannon would go and take them to go see Barbie. And there so, yeah, so they just went to go see Barbie. Now, my boys, Noah has read, he's got 10 check marks, and Thomas has two check marks now. I'm going to text Shannon, what would you give Barbie 
out of 10. Hey, Shannon, do you want to come on our podcast and do our third Barbie review? <laughs> yeah, we for those of you who want to hear Oppenheimer, but here we are. Yeah, well, I, I'm trying to get Shannon to go on a date. I think that'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Shannon, <laughs> once again, Shannon, wouldn't you love to see this three hour film about whether or not it was a good thing we dropped the nuclear bomb and the effects of the man who created it? <laughs> yes. Yes, she would. <laughs> okay, so Shannon gave it an eight out of 10. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would agree. This is why I love Shannon. Yeah, I gave it a seven out of 10. You said seven and a half one point time. Yeah, but I, I resolved the seven out of ten. That the last third just did not hit it for me. The Even first the third was like, I would say the first third on? was great. Was the great. La- I, I love the last ten to ten to fifteen minutes. Loved it. Yeah. Sure. Loved it. So um before we start, I want to thank everyone for all your kind words about the episode last week about my divorce. Oh yeah. A lot of people reached out, have not gotten back to a lot of you. I, but, <laughs> I haven't said anything to any of you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know how my brain is, so I feel a little, a little overwhelmed, which means <laughs> nothing's going to happen. But I, no, I, I, I will eventually. I'll, I'll get that. Like, oh, then ah! I'll just, you know, like plow through all of them. Per tradition, I really do want to thank everyone who reached out. Those were very. They were. I feel incredibly loved. So thank you all very much. It was a very difficult episode. Joe did a wonderful job editing it. Thank you to everyone on Patreon who gave you. I'm listen before it just to make sure it wasn't too crass or I'm self indulgent and. I really appreciate everyone's help and work on that episode and everyone's response. It was a hard one to record, but it was a good one to have out there. So I'm, yeah. uh, I just want to thank you all again. I want to thank you again, Gomer, for being such such a good friend, a loyal com- com- companion stuck with me on this journey. Sorry. <laughs> yes, I am a loyal companion. You are. Who's a loyal companion? Who's a loyal companion? <laughs> you are. You are good. It's me. It's me. <laughs> I got some, do you want me to take off my shirt? Will that help me be happier? No, that would that would immediately ruin the show. Mm, it's fair. <laughs> you want to dive into these ten minute topics? I didn't even know there were ten minute topics. I, don't, I mean, I don't have anything for content. Do do you? Well, every time I suggest, no, let's do it. Let's do the ten minute. Uh, what do you mean? Every time you suggest, I shoot it down. The last two times I suggested them, you were like, "No one wants to hear that." So I got sad and I cried. I cried, Luke. You made me <laughs> what, cry. What, what was the last thing that you brought up that I shot down that you then cried about? I wanted to talk about how your mom's been living rent free in my head, and you were like, what, "No what? one wants to hear that." I never direct said words. that. Yes, direct words. And then I was like, "Okay, well, I'll talk to." I did, did the defending the faith conference. You're like. <laughs> That's not. I know. I did not. I do have no memory. I thought you were talking about the defending the faith conference, not about Luke, my mom listen, living rent free in your head. Listen, my wife doesn't care that I just spoke at a Scott Hahn conference. <laughs> None of my friends care. <laughs> this is literally a bucket list thing, and I'm 41. I'm proud of you. Applaud me. Look, click that emoji. On, thank you. Thank you. Ugh, really? It is exhausting being me. For me and for others. It's so hard. Listen, should we just start our own non-profit? That way we can just, you know, get all the monies and you can have we an should, office. We should start our own non-profit called the USCCB's Eucharistic Revival Part 2. This time it's personal. And then I think <laughs> I think we will get enough donations on accident that we could probably uh, sustain a healthy living. Probably. Well, look, me and Luke got an apartment together. So why is my mom living rent-free in your head? Well, so I, I re-listened to the uh, the old Patty Carey episode, re-listened to it. A good episode. And, and I started thinking about it in terms of, because she had that great point where she said, you know, we were talking about like liturgy and music and the liturgy. And she said, you know, like for us, it was kind of like our rebellion against, you know, the boring stuff beforehand. And then I guess you guys are rebelling against our stuff 
with like going back to that that older stuff and i was like no and it was it, it was an interesting moment because it got me to start thinking about like what was it that caused so many people to have like a radical conversion and for me too because i now i had the music that she grew up with at my home parish in, in broken arrow more choir versions of that but still the same kind of folk style and it didn't hit me the way it hit her until mm-hmm. i went to life team mass down here in texas and then it you know it was a big deal and I think one of the things, and I, I want your feedback on this. I think sure. one of the things is, so often our faith can be about the externals, especially if it's not your faith, right? Mm-hmm. And you can become comfortable with the externals, even in the mediocrity of like not caring. Like it's a thing, right? It's a thing. Many people grow up with it. They did the Catholic thing, and then they're done with it. Whatever. But when you go to an event like a like a Steubenville Youth Conference or a Life Teen Retreat, and it's your first experience of that kind of ethos. I think one of the things that's so powerful about it is every element of it drives home the 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 closeness of God. Mm. So when mm. you when you think God is distant, God is judge, God is rules, and Catholicism is all of those things. It's judgmental. It's just the rules. It's just pray, pay, and obey. And then you walk, and I and I remember listening to her description of walking into the Christ the King Chapel. As her, I think she said her younger brother was walking out, and yeah. he was like, it, "It's amazing. It'll change your life. It's amazing." And she's like, "Whatever." And then she's like, "What the heck is he talking?" About? And he goes in, and the homily is incredibly engaging. You know, the music is all the folk music, and they're all it's all celebratory stuff that you and I, if we literally walked into it tomorrow, we might be like, "No, this is this is old classic Steubenville," but we wouldn't have any type of reaction like she did. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons why is. When you're presented with the possibility of having a personal relationship with the God of the universe, the judge, the transcendent lawgiver, someone who just feels distant, if he's even feels real at all, feels distant, then all of a sudden it's brought near and brought close to us. That, I think, reinforces all the things that we're taught, that God loves you, that you can have a personal relationship, have a life of prayer, scripture is God's love letter to you. It ampli like the whole experience is this giant amplification. Fast forward forty years of that message done in a kind of a, a watered down weak sauce way. You know, not every Sunday mass is a student meal conference. That message spread out for forty years ceases to be the transcendent God of the universe loves you, knows you by name, would die on a cross if you were the only person who ever lived. And it becomes this thing of like, well, yeah, right? Like it's part, like for us, it's the soup that we kind of grew in Mm. that there's elements of Mm -hmm. the imminent God that we take advantage of or take for granted. And so when I get up on a stage and I'm talking to kids and I'm like, listen, Jesus Christ loves you and you need to pray and blah, blah, blah. They don't care because they've heard that a thousand times. And that has become the, you know, do your duty. God is judge. God is law to them. Of course, because this is the moral, this is the dark side of the moral therapeutic deism. Well, only dark side, but like that notion of, well, of course God is for me. Why wouldn't he be for me? Have you met me? Right? Like it's the exact opposite kind of environment that they were in. And so I started thinking about that and I was like, okay, well, what do I need to do to rouse the weary to, to get the deaf to hear the message that they think they've already heard? And so I was just thinking about that all Thursday and all Friday, and I got violently ill, right? So I got super sick at 
the Spokane Youth Conference. But I had the Friday night keynote. And the whole time I'm thinking, how can I deliver this keynote? Because I feel in my guts that Patty left me a lesson that I have to figure out how to get across to these kids. Huh. And in a very real way, it's almost like the opposite of the message that she heard. But it still reinforces all of the things that she received from that, right? So the message that I told them was, I kind of felt like the Friday night keynote was a little self-help Christianity, right? And, that, and I'm afraid of that because that's moral therapeutic deism, mm-hmm. right? That, mm-hmm. And it's, it's not like they did that. I mean, they talked about the cross and Christ and all that stuff. But there's this element where, like, it, it talks about uh, your burdens. Lay down your burdens. What are your burdens? People have burdened you, whatever. So I said, okay, well... You are burdened as a group of kids, unlike anyone else in world history. Mm-hmm. Like you, you were born with social media. Like that stuff was like you lived in it. So you get to the wonderful opportunity to be bullied twenty four seven. You know, you get to have cyber stalkers. You get to have trolls. I never had any of that crap. I had stickball in my front yard. Like none of that crap. So look at the papers. <laughs> was that you being like a newsy era? Yeah, that's my favorite <laughs> thing to do by far. That's my favorite thing. Yeah, the goblin. Hey, Mister. Hey, Mister. <laughs> Shine your shoes for a nickel. A nickel? How about a penny? Biden's oh, economy hasn't inflated it that much. <laughs> Who's Biden? This is 1922. <laughs> let's uh, let's go throw rocks at his house. <laughs> hey, Mister. Hey, Mister. Hey, Mister. Hey, Mister. You, you know that Mister Mister lady? Uh, I think I killed her with my car. Um, <laughs> no, so Brooke the, the first <laughs> the first talk. Was a, it was a very subdued because I was on, literally on the verge of throwing up the whole time I gave it. I have two, two different times when I'm talking about, this is for Patty. This is for No, so. Uh, <laughs> no, but it was the exact opposite. It was challenging them with the message of the just God, the transcendent God, mm-hmm. the God of the universe. Because this, and this is my theory. You ready for my theory? This is it. This is the, this is the end of it. my spiel. My theory is this, okay, and I might have shared this a little bit in certain contexts, but if you start with the transcendent God, the God of the universe, the almighty God, the majesty of God, the glory of God, the law of God, the judgment of God, you can ignore the imminence of God, the nearness of God, the closeness of God, the proximity to your heart. Mm. Mm. God is with you, not against you, whatever. But if you start, you may, but if you start with the imminence of God, you will never get to the transcendence of God, right? Mm. Because that's already discarded. It's no, God's within me. I don't, I don't need this stuff. And so there is a gradual rejecting and a stripping, or you could say a flattening of Christianity. And I think this is what Ratzinger's getting at in, in his introduction to Christianity and his, his spirit of the liturgy. Um, these are two books that I just realized I had them in my audible library and I'm like, Oh, go. So <laughs> happy so day to be a Gomer. I <laughs> <laughs> got a don't got a real job. I put a oh, weight in the backpack. I got an Amazon and now I'm calling myself <laughs> a guy who rucks. This is terrible, but it just reminds me of that family guy bit of like, they go to, uh, uh, like they make some joke about like what is president Emma Clinton doing right now? And he's walking outside naked going, Oh, it's a good old day to be mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's beautiful. That's exactly what I do every day, but with yeah. clothes. No, but so the idea being like, if you start with the transcendent God, then the imminence of God, God being with you, 
matters so much more. The mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Israelites called the condescent the condescension of God. To us, being condescending is like a horrible thing, but the condescension of God is like the greatest thing. So God, who is above us, chooses to come near. That's epic. But the God who is near us, choosing to be above us, that doesn't make any sense. That's a move you don't make. Mm-hmm. And so Bishop Barron was talking with like a group of people. Might have been with Lex Freeman. Oh, I'm probably messing this up. But he, had, you know, who Lex Freeman is the podcaster. He, mm-hmm. he always he's so he's an MIT computer science professor. He's a guy that you might see his his thumbnails on YouTube. He always wears a black suit, white shirt, black tie. Okay, well, he's a Russian Jew by ethnicity. His family came over. Huge oppression by the you know the communist regimes and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's just like the sweetest guy. He has a famous interview with Kanye, where he got Kanye to somewhat recant his anti-Semitic comments. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's actually you would love the interview since you're listening to Kanye music. Yeah, he does an excellent job of that, but. My it, Bishop Barron talked about like everything got flattened in the church in the sixties and afterwards, or in the seventies and afterwards. And he said, and our churches even became bare because you know it's all drywall. And I, I think I mentioned that quote before him, but to me that that's all like a thing of this spiritual life. Like we need to draw God near to us and keep him there. And what ends up happening is we lose the transcendence. But if you start with the transcendence, sometimes yes, you absolutely like people don't address the imminence. They don't address the love of God. They only focus on the justice of God, whatever. But if you start with the imminence, I don't think there's a road from imminence to transcendence unless you reject the imminence thing and then go to the transcendence and then start back over. Could there be something where you, you explain what who that who the imminent is? Well, I, th- that's my hope mm-hmm. is like the God God's presence within you. That's what we mean by imminence, right? God God dwelling with his people. That's an awesome and beautiful image, but it becomes even more awesome when you first see God as the transcendent creator of the universe, right? But if you only see God as that life force within you or whatever it is, I think it becomes harder or it, I actually, I think it's almost impossible to walk it back to the, to the transcendence of God. And I don't think, I think it has to be like a conversion or a deep realization not just like I don't think it comes naturally as a consequence. Like if you hold to the transcendence of God, you can you can then look at Christ and be like, and the transcendent God, the Word became flesh. Like that's amazing. The Word that made the universe has now taken on flesh. Like I just find this stuff so fascinating. Yeah, no, I, I actually do too. I don't want to spend too much. Actually, I, I want to spend some some time on this. This could be a be, ten minute topic. Like, okay, yeah, are, are you cool doing? I'm telling. Yeah. Okay, because I just want well, to make it. sure that we don't. Because I have a hard stop at ten thirty. If that's okay, absolutely. Um, so I know we both enjoy hard stops. So what? You don't want to make it a perverted? I'm not. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. I'm glad that we yeah, we're going on, on, on and on. Yeah. <laughs> I was making it perverted. I know you were. Thank you. Uh, okay. So anyways, um, man. Um, we're edifying young adults everywhere. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Young adults and boomers apparently I'm, everywhere. I'm Older boomers, we love you. Thank you so much. For listening, if we could direct you to patreon.com slash cf at this point in time, that'd be great. Uh, patreon.com slash cf. You fund the church. Fund us, do too. a one-time, a one-time gift. It's not a gift. Sure, I shouldn't use that language at, at all. Yeah. A one-time pledge of support for the entire year. It doesn't have to be every month, the whole year. You can do $1,000 right now. I know you can, Boomer. I know you got it. It's time for you to book that Catching Foxes live show you've always wanted to. 
We are back in full force doing our live shows. We have dates available for the rest of 2023 and going into May of 2024. Uh, Catching Fox's live shows are something a little bit different. They're really fun. They're very energetic. They're a great way just to kind of maybe get some important conversations going to build up some excitement around a program or a type of, or some type of ministry that you have going on. They are an absolute blast. We've had the privilege and the blessing to do them across the country and we're back and these we really really are now committed to not that we were before but in a particular way committed to making these affordable to you so we can work with any budget really anything that you want to do we can do this you want to do something small you want to do something big you want us to come and do a thing on a particular topic a particular set of topics we can do it for you, if you want to bring Gomer out for a parish on a parish mission, we can do an event the night before. We could do a parish talk that night. We could we could do something afterwards. There are tons of opportunities here. So if you want to inquire, you're not committing to anything. But if you, if you just want to know, hey Luke, how can I book a show? How does this work? How can I do it and not have to pay you guys a dime? Here's how. So I want you to go to catchingfoxes.fm. Again, it's catchingfoxes.fm. One more time for the old people in the back. Catchingfoxes.fm. On the right of the of the homepage, it hasn't been updated in a while. There's a part that has been. You're going to see a button on the top right that says "Book a Live Show." Hit that link. That's going to take you to a quick form that 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 you can complete to give us a bit of an idea for your show. And in 24 to 48 hours ish, uh, we will get back to you just to have the um conversation about what you're looking to do and how we can serve you. That's ultimately what we're, we're trying to serve you and the ministry that you are doing. So if you want to book a fun Catching Foxes live show to help you out in your ministry let us know again we'll do anything we'll just hang out and like watch a movie if that's really what you want to do but we want to be at the service of the people who are doing the real important work so go to catchingfoxes.fm one more time that is catchingfoxes.fm click on the book a live show link it's right at the top right and complete a very quick form should take you less than a minute i would imagine if that and we'll book a conversation with you about how we can get a live show going for you and the people that you serve thank you to us for being us all right bye so anyways <laughs> just kidding you had such a great sale and then you just called them boomer <laughs> i know you can't boomer you owe us. You don't owe us anything but a listen. We're sure to have you. It's true. Just would be nice to have some of that economy that you grew up, with. <laughs> grew up with, our way. I'm just kidding. I'm just I'm totally just just kidding. Okay, I have a lot of thoughts on on this. So, I uh, let me start at the beginning. I think when people say that like, oh, the young reject what their parents did. I, yeah. I, I want to start there. I think there's a there's a temptation to, with that to think that like, and I think a lot of people tend to put that is that it's it's because it's our parents. That's why they reject it. Yeah. But I think actually what might be happening there is that because you grow up with a certain thing, you grow up with both the positive and the negative aspects yeah. of that thing. Yeah. And when you see a thing that is that like is that is different, it can really speak to a deep desire of the heart if it identifies with that desire because it's presented in a different way. It's in the sense that, you know, as like um, a teacher sometimes, or even as a youth minister, you may bring in a person to speak to your class, speak to your youth group who's saying the same stuff that you did, but 
your the, the kids are going to be more willing to listen because it's someone who is who is different. Yeah, and what actually is like happening is because you have you have already gone over that 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 a material with them, they are then predisposed to being more receptive to hearing it again from from this other source. So you've actually done you've done all the, heavy the lifting. work. Yeah. yeah, the speaker's just getting paid to do the easy layup and pay well. well. You're um, welcome. <laughs> and, and so I think it's not always rejecting it. Right. And when I think back, particularly with the church, when you hear about like what it, what it was like, it makes sense why a, why a personal God presented in this way would be like really edifying and like, oh my gosh. Yeah, like revolutionary. Yeah. yeah. And then it also makes makes sense as to why people like us, yeah, I, I, like absolutely would would kind of yearn for a bit more of the trend of the transcendent because there's nothing in our life that actually is that. Yeah. And so when you're presented with with this idea, what that a great God way loves to put you. Luke. I love like that. there's a there there there's a desire for more of that, for you know for like more of him and to tap into you know God's God's divine life and the church presents an incredible way to access that. And then to your point about, can you go from the intimate to the, to the transcendent? I'm not sure if I agree with you, but I think Balthasar might (laughs) because it's, if you read a lot of stuff from the early half of the 20th century, it's very obvious that like people are starting to see that conversions getting harder and harder and harder. Yeah. I believe I talked about this before, how the founder of the Glenmary Home Missioners, Howard Bishop, whose writings are incredible, talked about how he wanted to go to the rural areas because he thought that all of the cities were a lost cause because of birth control and communism. He just thought they were closed off to God. Mm-hmm. They were all they're just not going to be open to to the gospel. He thinks people in in the rural areas will be more open to the gospel. So then he goes, and it's like surprisingly just like just as hard, just as terrible. And I remember I'm reading that, and I was like, man, I think Balthasar's right. When in the eight, now this is like um, this is I'm um, forty to fifty years before yeah. um, before like Balthasar writes his, writes his epilogue, which is where he talks about the anima tec- technica vacuo, and he's basically, and from what I understand, in the first few pages of of his epilogue, he's talking about why conversion is so hard. Mm. So I think you are right in the sense that. When you grow up with the an idea of an intimate God, you have no because of what our culture is like because it's rooted in the emptiness of techne of action of like trying to make stuff happen just for the sake of doings of doing stuff. Well, that's sorry, that's 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 not true. Yeah. Anyways, in let me just say in the emptiness of techne, he talks about why like if you go to a primitive culture. And that has some idea of like a god or gods, they'll be more receptive to the idea of the gospel than your average person in the West mm-hmm. would would be. And I do think it's hard to make that leap, but I think it's hard to make the leap not because of the nature of the intimate God and the transcendent, but because of like the way that our our like viewpoint. I think it's more like subjective actually than it actually is objective. Mm-hmm. Why 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 that's hard, and that's why. I wonder if you approach it from a standpoint of who is God or like what actually, sorry, sorry, sorry. Actually not who, what, what is God mm-hmm. that might make that leap a little bit easier because you are open to that idea of the divine in general. 
And I think that's what I, I think. I mean, I, I'm just speaking from my own life. That's why I am more attracted to the more traditional type like liturgies because I feel like I'm tapping into something that's like I'm tapping into something beautiful and ancient. Yeah. It's the it's the beauty that captures the the transcendence. Yeah. And that's right. and the that's appeal the of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I, I think I wonder if you need to and I, I, I mean, how do you preach on that? I don't know if you can. It might have to actually be experienced, yeah. which is really difficult to do in the Steubenville Auditorium, in the gym auditorium. Yeah. What the hell? We don't have an, we don't have an auditorium <laughs> in the gym. We will soon. Are we going yeah. to? Are, are they going to build an auditorium? Do you remember when I tried out for a Macbeth and everyone so. just I glared at me? I think I told you the story, right? Uh, tell it again. Do, so, do you remember how Steubenville actually has a theater that we never went to? Yeah, I went to once. I went yeah, to once it's, man for all seasons. It seems pretty cool, but like it'd be fun to do like fun like fun improv shows there. Or I was just gonna say that. Yeah, yeah that's a great that's a great thing for it. I, I I like was feeling on myself after doing the orientation entertainment team very very well. I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to do plays, so I've got a speech impediment. Let's do Macbeth. And so I'm gonna try out. I I'm I'm was nervous. I'm so nervous. You were gone, so I I went on by myself. And I walk in, and these people that I'd never seen before in my life just saw me and glared. I mean, it was like dark, like just <laughs> like, a, what the f- are you doing here? I was relatively in shape then, so they were like kind of thin AMDG boy. And I was like, I'll just, I'll just go, I'll just go out the back right now. I'll just, I'm just so self conscious, yeah. so self conscious. I was like, I wanted, I just wanted to be like out, out damn spot. I know it's a woman part. <laughs> Hey, all the Shakespeare actors were men back then. I know. Theater, you could do it. You could be a convincing woman. No, but I, (laughs) my bosoms, I think, no, I I think it's really interesting to like, kind of like view in in some of like, of what my mom had brought up and what really, and what really speaks to people. Because ultimately it's about finding, ultimately it's the Holy Spirit, right? That, that, that does all this. And it's about trying to clear the roads for, for the Holy, for the Holy Spirit. And it is getting harder and harder to clear those roads. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. And that's why I love what Father uh, Dave Pavanka said one day Heard um, of him. when I was at a meeting. Um, he said, you know, someone is saying the thing that will save the church is better catechesis. And he's like, that's so wrong. He's like, obviously, you need great catechesis. But the only thing that can save the church is the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And if we aren't realizing that, then our schemes and programs are going to fail and fail bad. Well, and you know, and like that's a thing that I, I think also can't be discounted. You have some people that will say that one reason why evangelization might be hard is we are abandoning the power of the of the Holy Holy Spirit. Often, that's said under the guise of we need more of the charismatic movement. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but I think a zeal and a, a fervor for the Holy Spirit that is akin to what you will experience in the charismatic movement is what is needed. Yeah, you know, I'm just not charismatic in my spirituality all that much. You know, I, I'll I'll get down. You know, at any point in time, I'm I am I'm not afraid to you know pull up the hands and to do the tongues and you know and, and the whole thing. I'll 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 get down, but it's not going to be like my go to thing. I don't need I need something more like communion and liberation where we're going to I'm sit down, drink, and just talk about stuff for hours on on end. Like, what is reality? <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't know if that's I know if that's a good uh, yeah. No, I like the idea of you know when you're when you're kind of when you're in the soup, you got the good and the bad, which is what I was saying to Matt Frad on Pint's episode. It was like, yeah, like to all my parents and, and Patty who complained about the Latin mass, it probably was really terribly celebrated. 
you know, because you had the average priest celebrating the mass when they treated it like, uh, you know, whatever. Whereas today, even your, mo- you know, FSSP or SSPX, you're you're having people who are like consciously choosing to build these communities to celebrate mm-hmm. this way. So the laity and the clergy alike are kind of like you got to join. This is like a thing you're joining for reasons. Whereas beforehand, it wasn't. It was just the Catholic Church. And well, so, the, like, even the celebration of their ordinary, like, a daily Latin mass probably has a different tone and feel to it today than it would have if you were at, you know, St. Mary's of Perpetual Responsibility 100 years ago. I, I'm not sure. I, 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 well, actually, let me just back up. I, I agree with you because I, 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 I have heard that, you know, um, 100%. But I... I think there is a temptation to think it's just it's just the liturgy that was the problem or the way that it was done. Oh yeah, and I, I think it goes way beyond that. Like, just the idea that that you know that fear of God and the fear of hell being a thing actually like gave people massive anxiety. Like, again, I think I've almost had this beef beef before, but it bears repeating. I have no concept of Catholic guilt. I've right. never really experienced it. I probably could use a little. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I just don't. I just don't. I don't have that. I don't have that. Like, you have you ever seen Mean Streets by Scorsese? No, you probably haven't. So it's very much like a film by someone who grew up in in that era of the church. He's like, yeah. he's like playing. So it it starts out with Harvey Harvey Keitel, and he's looking over a candle, and he's, and he's like holding his hand over, kind of putting his his um fingers through the flame of like a candle. I can do it. And won't yeah. won't burn you per se. And he's he is a, a religious man who I mean, he's, he's, okay, he is not. But he's someone who grew up with the faith, who's a practice. You know, he's also a horrible criminal, and he's terrified of hell. And he like knows that he's gonna like he knows he's like gonna go to hell. You know, like he's doing like horrible stuff, and he's like yeah. contemplating like you know what's gonna happen to me? Who are you, God? What you know all of this stuff. And part of it is like how some parts of the, you know he has like a racist mom who won't let him. I think it's I think it's his mom who doesn't want him to date African American. I'm a woman is actually like in love with an African American. I'm a woman and all and all this other stuff. And mm. it, I, I, I don't think I, I, and why, why I bring that up is like when, when you take a look at the old church and just kind of the rigidity of it was a real thing mm-hmm. that I don't know if we actually fully comprehend that. Yeah. Like I remember I'm reading something about like the Pope Pius X was the one who actually freed it up. So, the, so that the lady could receive communion more often. He didn't free it up. He advocated for he lowered the age and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, like my you, oh, if, okay, you, so if you if you go through medieval history, you find constantly the church begging the laity to receive the Eucharist more often. Okay. It's a funny okay. thing. Like you find like right now in Mexico, you have the exact same thing going on. the The priests, the bishops, receive Holy Communion more, and they're just like, nope. So that's why the church put the law, and you have to receive Holy Communion at least once a year. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. See, this is, um, this is the interesting thing when you actually, like, when I hear people say things like, oh, the church was so rigid, and I, I totally believe it was, and the fear of God was palpable, and it's not at all today. The funny thing is when you read the prayers written back then, when you read the saints who were elevated the most back then, I mean, it's like, and I feel the same way with Father David's homilies. Like, they are, it's like, do this, do better. This is real because God loves you and God desires to share his life mm-hmm. with you. And mm-hmm. God, you know what grace is? You know how, what a wonderful gift grace is? Like, so you actually go through and you read the readings or you read the prayers that were popular and, and what they were penned and, and how they thought. And there's so much that is about 
the love of God, not just a justice. Yes, though, the justice is in there. Like, you know, when I read prayers with my kids or we say the prayers that we say at mass in the ordinariate, I mean, they're like, you know, like the penitential prayer we say right before you go to confession, there's a, a prayer to, you know, like a devotional thing. And it's like, may I, may I willfully acknowledge or willingly acknowledge my sins in today before your merciful cross, because I know one day I will be forced to acknowledge them before your judgment seat. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that language does not exist, right? But at the same time, it's all within side of it is the merciful love of God, right? So that's one of the fascinating things that you find is mm. there is a culture of fear and darkness. But I mean, like when I think of someone like Harvey Keitel's character, and I don't know anything about this movie, just the whatever you shared, the fear of God might save him. Right, and we say that because I dread the loss of heaven and the pains of hell. But most of all, well, Harvey Keitel's character can't get to the. But most of all, because you know I love you, you know whatever. Um, I dread the. Oh God, I'm blanking on the thing, but whatever. It's about the love of God. Mm-hmm. All he can think of is the pains of hell, not even the loss of heaven. Right, just the pains of yeah. hell. Right. No, and I, I think like that's that's real, and it's funny to me that when we have removed all of that as a culture, now we have, and, and I'm not saying that it's causation but today even without all that let me put it that way today Mm -hmm. without the fear of god the fear of hell without that being palpable and and whatnot with every you know clamoring you know bishops and priests and and laity and youth ministers just affirming that god loves you and all this stuff we live with sky high anxiety again i'm not saying that that's it's causation what i'm saying is even in spite of that being completely removed from religious people today like you said, I have no concept of Catholic guilt. Our anxiety is sky high. I just find this stuff so fascinating. Well, and to me, that's why it points to the issue isn't actually within the church. Like, it's not the liturgies. It's not this other stuff. It's actually the culture. Yeah. It's actually the way the culture has pre has predisposed us to view. Like, belief in itself doesn't feel rational. Mm-hmm. And so, like, none of this stuff makes sense. Like, it just yeah. doesn't make sense. And there's nothing yeah. you can That's feel. the whole opening of of Ratzinger's intro to Christianity. That's the whole mm-hmm. thing. The believer well, like, constantly plagued by doubt. Yeah, and if if you uh, I mean if like this is why I think it's super fascinating that before Vatican II, Balthasar and Ratzinger, they are the, they are the liberals of the church. After Vatican II, they are the conservatives of yeah. of the church. And you you see like you actually see Balthasar in raising up the bastions like advocating for the church to like come on, let's go. Like get with it. Like Stop yeah. being this um, rigid thing. Like, open the door. Like, open the doors. Let's go. Like, let's get more umlay people involved here. Like, he's really pushing. I mean, he, I think he even talks about like forming different other types of committees. And I was like, you don't know what you're advocating for. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's why you know that's why. Like, like it's 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 it w- it's almost hard for me to understand why he's doing it in in the first place. Until you read, it was written, I believe, like in the 40s or in the 50s. So then it kind of makes sense. Yeah. So this is good. I actually really, I really like this. Big thank you to longtime listener Kyle and the good people at the Saintly app for sponsoring this episode. So as Catholics, we all struggle with our phone, using them too much or even in the worst case, allowing them to become a portal to sin. If you have listened to our podcast for even five minutes, you know how we feel about that and how we agree. Today, I want to tell you about uh, Saintly, the app that helps you use your phone to deepen your, your faith, not send you to hell. 
With Saintly, you can surround yourself with the beauty of traditional Catholic art right now on your phone. Choose from a huge library of stunning masterpieces carefully handcrafted to work as your iPhone's wallpaper or lock screen. (laughs) Take that, Android people. I'm so excited about this because I have done this before, and I love having a like a really cool religious image on my phone. But typically, they're of a somewhat lower quality for the images that I that I want. You can get you know crap ones of 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 high quality anywhere. So I'm super excited to use this app. I was thrilled when he told me about it. But that's not all. I wasn't just thrilled. Stay connected to your faith with custom widgets that keep you informed about the saint of the day and important feast day. Each day, you are presented with beautiful art focused on that day's saint, and you can read more about the saint and the artist who created the art. So the fact that they have a widget about, like, Saint's Day, the fact that they have stuff about um, the feast days, which I'll be honest, your boy Luke has forgotten once or twice, not to go, but that there even was a feast day, and that they have some stuff about the art, and particularly about the artist. I just think that is great. Catching Foxes listeners, that's you, and you, and even you can get three months free of the premium subscription by using a special promo code in the app. Just go to the website besaintly.org slash foxes to learn more. That's B-E-S-A-I-N-T-L-Y dot org slash F-O-X-E-S, otherwise known as foxes, to learn more. Download Saintly now and transform your iPhone into a window to the divine. Take that, Tim Cook. Let the profound beauty of hundreds of years of beautiful Catholic art. I, I'm just kidding. I love you, Tim Cook. Let the profound beauty of hundreds of years of beautiful Catholic art elevate your phone and deepen your connection with your faith. One more time. Go to besaintly.org slash foxes to learn more and get your three months free of Saintly Premium. Thank you to Kyle and the good people at Saintly for sponsoring this very long episode of Catching Foxes. Think of your shirt, good sir. What's on your shirt? right now that's the matt pints of the Aquinas shirt um what does that mean again none but you O lord so shout out to fan of the podcast elliot benico i don't i hope i am pronouncing his uh, his name wrong he is a back uh, a backup goalie on on like on the nashville sc who had to come into the game blocked a it was actually with the penalties against FC Cincinnati in the current in the current MLS like leagues leagues cup. He was the man of the match, man of the match. It was I was so I immediately switched from being an FCC fan to a Nashville SC fan all the way. I was like, <laughs> you get a boy. It's like I was so I um, stalked him and I found and I found his Instagram and and like that was on his Instagram. And I was like, oh cool. So what is that? And then I recognized it on your shirt. So. Way to go, Elliot. We actually do have a professional athlete who likes the podcast, and I'm dying to have him on just to talk about Dax McCarty, who you don't know who that is. Nope. But, um, means a lot to me. So and I bet way you go, have Elliot. no problem hitting him up for football, soccer tickets. And- <laughs> <laughs> I, I, actually, I did. I was like, can I get a ticket to this game? And then it was only like a couple hours before. He's like, I'm sorry I missed this. And I was like, oh, it's okay. I really probably could have gone because my friend's wife was about to give birth. <laughs> and I was there on catching duty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but it was so cool. It was, it was Man really, of the match. Really, it's really, it's honestly like, I mean, I've never like met him in like person, but it is really cool to see someone that you've actually interacted with like personally, even if it's just mm-hmm. online, like all of a sudden be like Elliot just saved the game it was really cool it was really really cool so Elliot way to go go Nashville I, I think he may have played in the last game I'm not I, I didn't see it but that was very very cool so go. it's it, it's honestly really cool it is great to see practicing 
Catholics doing cool things in, in, in the world. I hate to say outside of the church, but yeah, just no, like 100%. normal. Yeah, it's just like wow, that was it was it was honestly it was really exciting. It was really it was very very cool. So shout out and the whole uh, time you're asking Elliot. like how many years and hours of practice did he do to get that good? And does it go to Latin mass? Has he has he ever been to the ordinary? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's like immediately it becomes a war. Like oh wow, he's kind of one of those guys. But what no, are you it was, African I mean, Catholic? He came in just for the penalty shootout and like to. St- I mean that is not. I want people to understand that is oh. not easy to stop that. No, that is work. not easy. That's got to be the most like, hey, come on in for the most high pressure part of the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, I mean, this so like the, the League's Cup is a brand new thing where all the MLS teams are are playing teams in MLS as well as from the league in Mexico. And there's like a forty million dollar prize for the team that like wins or something. Oh, they're, they're really trying to make p- people care about it. So way to go, Elliot. So this is in the knockout round, and they won again. Nice. So they're advancing. I think let me see who Nashville plays next. Next Nashville plays. Houston Dynamos. Houston. Uh, it'll be on Friday at eight thirty p.m. So by the time this podcast is out, uh, the game will be that day. So it's on at eight thirty p.m. Eastern time. It's in the quarterfinals against Minnesota. So there it is. Good there luck is. to Nashville SC and um and good luck to Elliot, whose name I am butchering horribly. Panico. I hope that's right. But Nico, it was just, it was so cool, man. It was so cool. I was, uh, it was awesome. So how did, uh, is, is, is the Houston Dynamos, are they just the worst in the league? Yes. They were last year, right? They were, they're, they're pretty bad. I'm not sure how they're doing this year. I haven't really heard anything a lot about, I haven't heard a ton of, a ton about them. Sigh. But FCC is pretty good. So to, I mean, it was a great game. It was a really, really good game. And they, and they went to penalties against Club America playing out of Mexico. The game was yesterday. I I think that's one that I, that I, that I missed, and I'm bummed that I did. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It's just I'm, I'm trying to see if Elliot played in this game. And the goalie from Nashville was the other guy, but I think he subbed out. Oh, yep, he did play in the game. So good job, Elliot. That's a big deal to stop to win a no, penalty twice twice in a row. He is legend. I know, I know. I want to have him on the podcast, and I'm just to talk about soccer, nothing, nothing else. Hey, how about this? You have him on the show. If he wants me on, I'll come on. If he doesn't want me on, because I can't contribute anything about soccer. Yes, you can. We'll talk about God and stuff, too. Okay, then I'll come on. Then we have to have Dr. Peter Kwasniewski on, and then you have to talk about liturgy. (laughs) (laughs) It's become a reckless hobby of mine. (laughs) Hey, let's go through some of the topics. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to do three-minute topics and we're going to use the doctor who thing as our stopper never seen it hopefully there will be no copyright issues with that okay so (laughs) david Tennant, best doctor who yeah it's for me matt smith is a close number two followed by christopher eccleson i love eccleson's doctor but yeah Tennant smith eccleson okay Tennant's gonna be back in november 4 all right let's do it we're going to so these are going to be three minute topics so gomer how many holes in a straw just kidding we already answered that one if everybody in the world couldn't sneeze anymore how long w- would it take for you to notice <laughs> if everybody in the world couldn't yes couldn't c-o-u-l-d-n apostrophe t would they go <gasps> and then let's stop? assume no uh, how long would it take me to notice mm-hmm. a long time i think it would, yeah same, same yeah very long time okay. same all right that's a weird Reset. question <laughs> i thought we had all right. Okay. Here we go. Ooh. 
Are you ready? Uh, I don't know. How to reconcile being happy for the gay couple because they are happy together but not supporting gay marriage because of church teaching. Also, sometimes it doesn't seem fair that only a specific group of people, heterosexual and married, are allowed to have sex. My my mother would be appalled by the controversy because I made a joke about I'm controversy when I asked him for the 10 minute topic. So kind of a, kind of a heavy one. Do you want to, do you want to start? Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was thinking about this um, when we had, we had our interview. I had my interview with the guy coming out with a podcast that, that deals with conversion therapy in the Catholic church. And uh, it was super interesting to hear. So I was nervous about our interview. So I went and did a whole bunch of reading on conversion therapy in the Catholic church from some trusted sources and they all blasted it pretty epically and it gave me a really solid insight into what gay catholics struggle with from whether or not to even call themselves gay catholics etc cetera, etc cetera. and i think i think the problem is twofold like replace it with another sin and tell me are you happy with that sin but at the same time you are we are always happy when people you know i mean like the struggle of finding friends and and finding someone who cares about you and loves you and all that stuff the 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 thing that like kind of killed me was we are asking gay people to be chased for life, not friendless and loveless for life. And the problem is in the church, especially with conversion therapy, we're basically saying, no, sex and friendship is the same thing. We just want you to have hetero stuff. And that's, that's, and that, that was one of the mm. brilliant articles mm. that was written. It was like, you don't realize what you're doing when you're saying Dear gay person, because of your gayness, you can't get married, but maybe we can convert your gayness to straightness and then you can get married and have sex and have a fulfilling life. And the people who are gay who have been through conversion therapy and it, and it wrecked them or you know didn't really help them or whatever, they say, no, what you say is the only way you can be happy is if you're in a relationship of a life of virtue following Jesus Christ. And that goes for whether you're gay or straight. And then I was thinking about you know when we were told that if Shannon never got pregnant again, she would she might die because of her uterine issues. And we didn't know if, and she said, you know, right now we can't remove her uterus because that would be contraceptive. And I like that, the way it was kind of framed really threw me back. And I'm like, but it's a malfunctioning organ. And they said, yeah, but only in relation to the sexual act, not necessarily. In now it turns out it was a malfunctioning organ in other ways. And there's other reasons why. But the, so the thing was, you, you can't have sex with your wife until she goes through menopause. And at first that felt like a burden too great to bear. But then I thought, but that's literally what we ask of people with same sex desires to for, to not forego love, but to forego sexual union. And okay. Mm -hmm. That this is, and, and then I, I realized through reading these, these gay authors, I think all of them were, were men. Maybe there was one. No, there was one that was a woman. But they all said basically the same thing. There have been plenty of times in world history where singleness is not chosen. Circumstances impose it upon you. And the church has always viewed that as a valid vocation to singleness. So, for instance, Pius mm -hmm. Twelfth addressed an Italian women's conference right after World War II and said, all the men your age are dead. There is no one for you to marry. This is going to be a horrible cross for you to bear. But sometimes circumstances are imposed not. And the only way 
it can become a matter of your, even though you didn't choose it, is whether or not you embrace it. Right? And so the idea was like, there's not enough men for all the women. So some of you are going to have, many of you are going to have to live chastely. And these are things that are not mm-hmm. dealt out, to, or they're, they're dealt out evenly to heterosexuals, you know, in terms of the crosses of, of non-sexual union. So that, that's what I would say. And that was a lesson that was best taught to me by actually shutting up and reading the stories of, of things that I kind of didn't want to believe. I thought conversion therapy maybe is a good thing, or maybe it helps some people. And they're like, yeah, it might help someone whose homosexuality or same-sex desires was caused late in life by some sort of trauma. Not because they have actual epigenetic markers that lead them towards same-sex attraction, right? And you're like, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense. And and then you're holding out false hope. So yeah. you can be happy that people found a friend, but that's as far I think you can go. Yeah. Just because we're way over time. No, that was three minutes. I... <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. We got five no, no, minutes no, no, no. left of the whole like, show. <laughs> I know. Well, I, I would just... I think I'm I'm going to... I probably come at it from. I, I think everything that the, that you just talked about was was very well said and does offer some some good points. I do think you can you can come at it from a different angle. I don't think that means that what you're saying is wrong at all. I think I probably view um, illicit sex, if you will, for lack of yeah. a better term. I don't, I don't even want to call it that. But like, if, if people are in a relationship and that the that the church would say, "Hey, like, um, this is wrong," and they're engaging. In sexual acts, I I just don't know if I would view it the same way I would view other types right. of sin. And so I, I think for me, there's a, like I could probably could find happiness. I I I, I do for 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 people I know who are you know like in marriages that are that are like I'm same sex marriage. I'm glad that they have a friend. I'm glad they um I want them to have a happy life. I think you can kind of hold things as being like I think like it would be different if like. You, if like you divorce like Shannon, or okay, actually I'm divorced, so let me just say it. Like it would, yeah. it would be different if I was like shacking up with every yeah. woman I could. You probably be like, "Hey, Luke, hey," yeah. <laughs> you know, like then it's a person who you don't know or who doesn't um, or doesn't unbelieve or like isn't Catholic and has never, you know, like it just. Yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna hold those two things as being as being equal. I think I mean you can see the like disorder in homosexuality. I, I even don't like that word because it's like if you don't understand what that actually means, but like things are not. I think you, you can understand here. Let's let's not not use the word disordered. Understand how it's not ordered towards the good, and how it is a sin because of that. But I wouldn't view it the way that I would if like I was in my own because I I like I'm more aware of what of my action. I'm more aware of like all of that stuff than a person who doesn't who has never really like believed in Jesus or isn't yeah. Catholic. Yeah. 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 So I, I'm, I, I'm like thinking of like specific people in my life that I just, I'm not going to tell her, Hey, you know, this is a sinful thing. So I'm just, I don't want to, I'm going to talk. I, I don't want to like, I'm, like she, she doesn't believe any of this and she yeah. never has. So am I supposed to shut her out? Am I supposed to not want good? You know what I mean? Like, like that's, it's, 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 and I think, I think there is a way to like, acknowledge the good parts of a thing and also say, but there's this other part here, but I also understand I'm going to like, I know where she is. And it's, I don't know that that could be me trying to take the like easy way out. I don't, I don't know. I really don't. I really, really don't because my experience with this, with people who have same sex attraction for the most part are all people who are not Catholic. 
or not practicing the faith. So I'm not going to sit there and like, like, I don't know. I mean, well, I'll just say to me, um, in a lot of ways, methods of evangelization usually don't go well when you start with their moral failure before you get to the person of Christ. Right. And a lot of times Mm -hmm. what motivates, Mm -hmm. and I see this with parents of adult children who have left the faith, what motivates them is not their relationship with God, but rather and almost only or exclusively their bad moral behavior that God condemns. So for instance, cohabitation that so enrages parents. You were raised better and blah, blah, blah. You're not allowed to do that. that it enrages parents. But then the question is like, yeah, but do the kids pray? Do they love God? Do they know God? And I'm not saying, but what I'm saying is some people might hear that and say, oh, so if they pray, it's fine. No, what I'm saying is they have no relationship with God. They have no relationship with the Catholic church, but you're upset about this overt moral thing, which you have every right to be upset about, but there's a primary thing. There's a primary thing that comes before that, that we're mm-hmm. ignoring for a moral outrage. So <clears throat> anyway. Yeah. Like I, I, I just, I know. And I, I, I'll be honest. Like, this is hard. Like, this is like, cause like we can all like put names and faces to this. This is not just right. an idea. You know, I'm, I'm not saying this. Well, like I'm going to say, I'm sorry. On, on, like, on Patreon. This is, she's just, I mean, I, I would imagine this is why she's like yeah. asking this. Cause like she probably knows people. And this is, you know, like there are people in my parents' life or that people in my life, like that I, I, that I yeah, really like that. Like theory. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, this isn't, yeah, this is real life. And so it's like, I can read the teachings of the church and it makes sense. And then I'm like, but the people are great. And I liked, and I like, and I, I really like my friend's wife and she's really cool. I like, I like hanging out with them. What am I supposed to do? I'm trying my best to hold those. And I, and I, I can, I can understand that. Like it, it can seem like it, a, a bit unfair, but then I go back to like, to the, I'm um, teaching and I do understand why, but I, what gets hard is when I, I think we, um, I mean, what really does make it hard and we do not have to go into this at all is then like, what does that mean for like the public space? Yep. You know, because, and that's, that's what to me, that's actually where a lot of it actually falls apart now because it's super, that's, that's where it gets tough. And so we're not going to go into that right now <laughs> just because of time. But you know, like I, I really, I appreciate, there are people in my life that I think are aware that I'm trying to hold those things in, in like tension. And I know a few of them listen. So that's why like I'm saying this and I appreciate that they allow like, like someone like me to like work with that and try to hold that intention and to work and to work through that. Cause it'd be very easy for them just to write, to write me off. And I appreciate that. Like yeah. they don't. You know, it was interesting. I had a comment. I don't remember how it got brought up, but on the Pints with Aquinas, the very first person that responded to me on the show, because I had given out my email address, the very first person was a gay man who was trying to live the Catholic life. And his comment was, I loved what you said about gay people and, and the Catholic faith. Do you, do you really think it's true? And so what I said was, I, I like, if we believe that Jesus Christ is truly the Son of God, if we believe that he gave us the Catholic Church and the moral rules are just as much a part of the Catholic Church as are the sacraments, because it is about the way that we live the divine life, 
then talking to this man, the thing that I said was, I believe, uh, I'm paraphrasing now, but the, I believe that men like him, that gay people who are trying to live the Catholic life are going to save the church and the culture in the sense that we have become, like Aristotle said, the highest form of living the moral life is friendship. And people, and C.S. Lewis says this, even in his day, in the, in the 50s, he said, in, in um, The Four Loves, when he's talking about friendship love, he said, almost no one is friends. And now we have this chronic loneliness and all this stuff. And I said, you have a bunch of men and a bunch of women who are trying to figure out how to love one another in platonic ways because they can't get married. Right? Now, I truly do believe that their conversion will repristinate the notion of friendship in the world today, that they will become a sign of contradiction that'll flow in our faces in, in all the right ways. But I would say, like, I, I had a, you know, I know people who got together who were divorced and remarried. I am happy that they found each other and their friendship, but I'm not happy with their current life. Right? See, this is the thing. Like, if the moral judgment of the church, and when we say the church, we mean God. If the way that God has lined this up, now there there are areas of the church that you can disagree with and 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 still be within the heart of the church. But if God so wanted it this way, and we're going in a different way, that's where we have to say, like, I I I can love you, and I can even love elements of of your love, but I can't go all the way here. And to go all the way is 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 in the words of Doctor Regis Martin, a stolen base. Like you just can't do it. And so, yeah, so that's the fine line. And in reality, that's why we'll lose friends today. We're going to lose. I mean, like, I don't think people are realizing how, how much this is going to destroy the church. The, what do you mean? The, the, cultural, the widespread cultural acceptance of gay marriage, of all of the things that kind of embodied with it. And, you know, the fact that uh, the church's teaching on homosexuality was untouched. Because mostly in the culture it was viewed as ew, you know, and now it's not. It's not viewed as ew at all anymore by young kids. And so because that cultural mm -hmm. aversion to it is completely gone, right? You know, like Michael Scott in the episode Gay Witch Hunt where he's like, I'm going to kiss a man. I'm going to kiss him. I'm going to right? And he kisses Oscar, and even though Oscar didn't want him to. Um, that whole point was Michael Scott's like, for thousands of years, men have been grossed out by two dudes kissing or whatever line he says. The idea is like that's not even in our culture anymore. No, the young kids don't even care about that. Mm -hmm. So now that that's yeah. completely gone, the culture has zero support of the church in these pronunciations, just like with contraception. And this is going to be even more pervasive because people feel like you're rejecting them, not their actions. Mm -hmm. But to a certain extent, are we? And that, that, that's what I struggle right. with. No, and I like, get it. I get why you because it's different than adultery. Like, you know, we people say that it's that, different than exactly, adultery. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's like that's that's where I think for me I have a hard time with because it doesn't seem like the, an adultery or if like you steal or something like it's something like that's so it's a desire that's ingrained in your the, heart that you did yeah have. like this is kind of why like I I understand why some people are like please don't use the language same same um, sex attraction call me gay I also yeah. understand why some people say the thing I'm not trying to say either way but I'm like it it. It's, it's not, not easy. This it's is, not. Yeah, this is really, yeah. really difficult. And I, 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 I just have a hard time. And I don't think you are, but I have a hard time when people make definitive stances on how we should handle this. Yeah, 
you know, they say between the law and the act lies the shadow, right? In the Catholic uh, natural law of jurisprudence, you call it the determinatio. You have these big principles, and then you're trying to get to specific determinations, and that's where you have murkiness, that's where you have disagreements, that's where you have all this stuff. And it's like, but that's also not an excuse to say, well, then, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but many Catholics do this. Well, because there's a murkiness in exactly how to navigate this, I'm going to throw the whole thing off. And that's where our, why our culture is where it is today. Because a lot of well-meaning Catholics mm-hmm. have said, this is too hard. You guys don't even 100% agree, so let's just call the whole thing off. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and I... Yeah. The tension, man. The tension. I, I don't know. Like, I, I'll i be the first one to say there are times that I worry, like... Yeah. I no, know. I get it. I mean, that's why we need each other. Luke, I need you, and I love yeah. you. Yeah. <sighs> but I do have to go. Do we have any sponsors this week that we have to thank? Wait, wait, you, you, you wait. Are, are you serious? Do you do. actually have to go? What? Why? Okay. Didn't we just? Didn't you say you only had an hour? <laughs> we were go till ten thirty. No, I thought we were going till. Oh, 10:30. I thought you wanted to. Oh, you're right. You did say that, but I thought you were saying an hour. Sorry, my chest has started hurting a lot. I drank some caffeine just now, and it's like. No, it's like oh, we gotta go. <laughs> like, some heartburn or something? No, we don't go. We don't go. Listen, me. we're old. Listen, we've got enough. We have enough here for, to do like a couple cool. episodes. So we're actually, probably this, good. Yeah, this is. So, like, do you not do want it? me yeah. to look at the ten minute topic questions? I, I, I tend to like it when they're spur of the moment because I think when we look at them beforehand, Formulate. it becomes much more of of yeah. like monologue that on yeah. like both ends than a okay. a cool. conversation. Then I won't. So yeah, I, and I'll I I mean it's I, I think it's I, I mean if if we can try to allow space for it to be more of a dialogue, then yeah. you know whatever. Cool. I think it's fine. I think we should just keep that part in mind. So thank you to the Saintly app. I think it is. They, they sponsored. I'll add it in there. Book a live show. Join us on pay on Patreon. You have access to the merch store through Patreon. So you want to get some of that sweet, sweet catching foxes merch, the cups, man, people love the cups. The cups are awesome, dude. People yeah, love my, the cups. My friend Jeff, he sent me a picture, got my Catching Foxes mug, and I was like, oh, that warms my heart. The cockles of my heart. My dad has it. He had it on display when I went over to their house. That made me happy. That's awesome. Here's here's like a heavy one. <laughs> like, this is the stuff, this is like the things that I think we just need to wrestle yeah. with as a church. So I'm glad that we're like having this. We do not have to answer this because no, you're, you got yeah, my go chest is on fire. Okay, go, go. But just say the I thing. Okay. You're, don't leave me in suspense. Is it okay for Catholic men and women to date to date unless someone with children out out of wedlock? Like, is it ethical or or immoral to do that and rob the possibility of the person and the child's biological parents from unrectifying issues and eventually marrying to become a family? Great question. Great question. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, that's, oh, like, that's a good awesome. question. I love it. All right, we'll, we'll tackle yeah. that one next time. We're gonna interview. Oh, next I'm week. so excited. Oh, I same same same. Same. Oh. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Have you have you I read know. it yet? I've I have I have you have you it. you should look at I the interview. I totally. Oh, I, I started yeah, crying the I first have, five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited about this interview. Yeah, no, I'm gonna dive more into the book over the weekend. I want to keep it. I'm, I'm fresh. Cool. Man. Okay. All right. I agree. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to the best Catholic podcast there is because you know everyone's kind of imitating us. Bye. Bye.
take that, Father Mike Schmidt's catechism in a year. What about catechism in a gomer?